On this week's episode of the Penultimate Podcast, we're talking with owner and head coach of Team Sweat Life, Mike Patella. Mike has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to strength conditioning and, and moving well and how to get the most and best out of people. So I thought it only fitting to bring him on to the Penultimate Podcast to discuss some of the, the correlates between fitness and, and gym goers, like the average gym goer and the athlete. The Penultimate Podcast is powered by Project Pure Athlete. Visit projectpureathlete.com and check out the complete line of PPA training and technique products. All products are created by the Jump Guy and have been used and endorsed by coaches and athletes worldwide. Jump higher, train smarter. You are now listening to the Penultimate Podcast with the Jump Guy, Tyler Ray, powered by Project Pure Athlete. Jump higher, train smarter. Um, so let's get into it. Thanks for being on here, Mike. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast, and yeah. thanks for having me at my own gym. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting me be on your thanks. podcast at our at, at the gym that we're we're at right yeah. now all the time. Yeah, well, it's great meeting you. So uh, <laughs> I've been a big fan for for years. <laughs> been a big fan for years. Um, so as you know, Mike, um, I'm a, I'm a jump guy, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm yeah. a jump guy, and. Um, I think through exposure, like Mike's become a lot more well-versed in the area of jumping, even though he doesn't necessarily come from a background of jumping. Why don't you start first by kind of letting the listeners know a little bit about like your history as, um, you know, athlete fitness, like how you got into this industry. Um, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I started, so uh, I'm your typical soccer player, have the hair, have, have the shoes. And so, um, I, I sort of grew up playing soccer and, and, and loving just kind of all sports. Even though I wasn't good at all of them, I, I, I still um, enjoyed playing all kinds of sports. But growing up, I was a little bit more kind of chubby, overweight, so I kind of got into fitness. More from the fitness aesthetics sort of point of view, you know, like lose some chub when I was in my teens. And I think then many people do, right? Yeah. I think that's, I, that's I think, not and uncommon. And I think many coaches or, and trainers have, mm-hmm. have kind of some, some sort of, you know. Something that led them there yeah. through one way or another. Yeah. Um, and then as I got uh, more into it, especially like in, in my later years in high school, um, I was playing more volleyball and, and soccer. And then into university, I kind of fell in love with, with human performance and movement. And so um, like 14 years go by and, and I've been sort of um, coined as like a movement specialist because I've put so much effort on my own knowledge with, with learning how my, how my body moves that I was able to not only practice on myself how to move, but then learning how to articulate that to anybody else that doesn't understand what I understand. And so like when I think of movement, I can actually see, and I'm sure you're the same way, Ty, is that like when I move, I see anatomy move. So I see like my shoulder blade move in an anatomy chart when I move. And so because I know that so well, or at least I think I know that so well, is that I, I, I've sort of used that to say, okay, like if somebody doesn't understand how the shoulder moves, how can I take that and simplify it for the layman to make sure that they can understand what, what I want them to do because we can't always talk about scientific, complex um, technique. We need to dumb it down, and that's probably a bad choice of words, but no, it's simplify true. I it. think we simplify it. Simplify to it to make it not only more palatable for people, but it like more like engaging and more fun for people than just saying uh, 
rotate your femur 30 degrees you know it, it, that that to me is very boring it's very clinical mm -hmm. and there's a place for that but but when it comes to getting people to fall in love with movement like i love it they need to start to understand that it's not just about hard science it's about having some fun with it and learning about how you move that way it'll trickle into like many other parts of your life so I, i've been sort of dabbling in the, in the whole movement thing more than just like aesthetics it's more about like hey like let's learn how to move well as a whole and so how many years have you been doing what you've been doing just for the the list so uh for, i started when i was 19 so like a good 14 years now right right yeah 14 years um coming up on 15 years uh, of doing this and so like i remember in the beginning like like i knew nothing you know and sure like i went to kin i went to human kinetics and so i got my kinesiology background but that never teaches you biomechanics the way you should be learning it from a practical standpoint. Right. So, so like the, the first few years of me training was just pretty much getting to know number one, like my coaching methods and my confidence in that. And then the more people I started to train, the more I understood, okay, ah, people need this, this, and this, or they, they need more of this type of cueing. And so I think it took me a good four or five years before really understanding what people needed from a coaching perspective. Yeah. And then the rest kind of just followed. There's a lot of coaches that follow along with this podcast and a lot of the, the the common and frequent questions i get are um about like the journey through the start of when you started coaching mm -hmm. all the way through to where you are now and and what you've noticed and i think the trend that i'm noticing the most amongst like young coaches and, and correct me if i'm wrong like from your perspective a lot of people come into the game because of the access to things like social media and so much content a lot of people come in with a, an air of, of um, elitism out of the gate that mm -hmm. I think, I don't think, I know is working in their detriment a lot of the time. You know, you said that it really took you four or five years to get to a point where you were comfortable and confident knowing how to assess what people really needed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it worries me a little bit and, and perhaps you're along the same boat as I am when these you know, young coaches are coming into the game, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, having a few years under their belt, but really firmly believing that they're like, a, you know, in that master class of coaches when in reality, I think it does require time to sharpen that sword, right? Like it yeah. does require an amount of time to be able to be at a point where you can both confidently say and it's reinforced by um, other professionals and athletes that, or, or general population that yeah. you work with. Is that something that you're seeing amongst yeah. uh, the masses? More so now. And, and I'm, I'm trying to think back to when we were starting like back back in the day when we were coaching. Like, like internet wasn't that big. Like YouTube wasn't big. There was no Instagram. Facebook was just getting started. And Facebook was more of just like a like a like write your status type, type of platform. Um, whereas now like, like you can get online courses. You can get um online certifications and also in-person certifications that like in one weekend you can learn a new skill and and some of these skills are are quite um complex like like you can go to um to like a like a functional range release course that teaches you how to mobilize your joints in different ways that kids that are in their first year of coaching that probably don't understand the the, the mechanics or, or the context behind all these different modalities then they use it on people that that very same week that they've right. gone to it and then they either don't understand the context behind why they're using it or they do it because they think they need to use all these complex mm -hmm. um movements to, to, to make themselves feel worth yeah and I, th and I think what takes the time right is is knowing how to um relay the information that you understand because i think the the biggest difference for me is always there's understanding something right there's mm -hmm. understanding something but then there's understanding how to apply it 
is one, and then also understanding how to give it context. So, you know, just because you've read it and understand a concept, there's doesn't doesn't mean there's a need necessarily to implement it all the time. And it's like the one thing I'm seeing with with a lot of, of coaches that I speak with and talk to is provide that context, right? Give your community, give your gym, give your athletes and, and, and members that kind of rooted context. So they know why they're doing mm -hmm. things a lot of that time, right? Like don't just dump information on people and hope that that makes you seem smart. Mm -hmm. It's like it has to have context. Hey, here's a really cool movement, right? The movement might be quite advanced. Well, give it context. Let people know this is an advanced progression. Teach them how to progress mm -hmm. to that point and why it's important to do that. And I think that's why... I love doing what I do so much is that I'm kind of, I think I've kind of become this, this persona within the industry, especially within this kind of, uh, you know, vertical jump training, athletic performance space that people come to as kind of like the, it's like the North star. It's like, I'm yeah. trying to orientate yeah. myself, right? I'm, I've been down all these routes and pathways looking at all this cool stuff. And then I'll, I'll come back to Tyler and be like, Hey, what do you think about this, this, and this? And it's like, I try to get people back on the, on the track of perspective. You're the Dalai Lama of, of, Dalai jump, of jump training. Dalai Lama. I in no way endorse the comparison to Dalai Lama, but thank you very much um, uh, for that kindness there. Okay. So that's what the Dalai Lama would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I, I definitely enjoy being kind of that person for the industry and being mm -hmm. that the whatever you want to call it, the wise old owl or whatever. I, I mean, even in the, my career, I'm nowhere near, like I am just, and in, in I, I actually um, wrote this to someone else the other day, was they kind of were wondering like, what they should strive for being a coach and like who they should look for in a coach. And I try to give them almost like year ranges and like how that corresponds to where a coach is in their journey. So it's like, to me, like zero to five years, like you're a beginner. Yeah. You might be d different degrees of beginner, like out of the gate zero, like, you know, you're a, you're a little, you're a tadpole, you're a new, right? You're <laughs> yeah. brand new to, yeah. this, to the game. Even at five years, like I remember, I can remember back, like that would put me at 25 years old and thinking of what I was doing as a coach at 25 years old to what I'm doing now at 35 years old, vastly different, right? Not even in the same comparison. Do you find that odd that when people are like, so, so like they may be coaching for five years, but they, they'll add like an extra 10 years to that because they're like, well, I, I train myself. <laughs> I work out myself <coughs> and, and people mistake. I actually joked a little bit thinking about that. <laughs> people mistake the fact that because they work out themselves that they're automatically a good coach. Right. And just because you know positions and you know just innately how to move doesn't mean that you know how to coach people into movement. <clears throat> and some of the best um, uh, coaches aren't necessarily the best athletes. Athletes. Or, 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 yeah. or, you know what I mean? Or the fittest. Or, or the fittest. But, but they explained positions and movements and getting people to do <clears throat> what they want to do very, very efficiently. And, and, and it really is an art, and that could be like another podcast that we could probably tap into. The art of coaching, but but coaching really is an art. It's like it's like martial arts. You don't just learn technique and then automatically apply it. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm not much of a fighter or a martial artist by by no way. What? Not at all. But I imagine that like when you learn like jujitsu or any type of mixed martial arts, there's quite of a art to it that allows you to sort of move better and, and more efficiently as, as you practice and as you learn and as you know what needs to be done at what point. So yeah. I think same thing goes with coaching. You have to live it, right? I think that's, <clears throat> there's this air of like, again, I, I bring everything back to social media because of the fact that we're, we're so, so connected. Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. Just give me a second here. Mm -hmm. Yummy. <clears throat> 
there is so much like there's a there's a need for it in a lot of ways um but it can be quite toxic depending on depending on whether or not you know how to sift through it properly and how to utilize it well as a as a professional <clears throat> and i think what happens is it i feel like i just lost my train of thought but that's okay that's fine it's okay to lose your train of thought it that's was fine. something and then i got a tickle and something on social tickles, media yeah. and i was talking about what was i talking about no but <laughs> we were talking about um don't tell me you forget what we're i forget about too. too we were talking about like the the art of coaching and how um it, it takes time to sort of finesse yourself into what it is that you want to become ah. and, and social media sometimes can blur that because I th I think where I was headed with this was talking a little bit more about the the power of of simplicity be as a coach, right? I think a lot of times when people finally meet with me and they work with me in person, they realize that it's not like this wizardry that they maybe anticipated it would be, right? Like, oh, this guy like just works with people for like five minutes and they jump higher. Well, it's it's not necessarily about um. Impl like giving all of this information to somebody, they're able to process it in the, that quickly. It's really about a simplistic approach to creating a behavior on the spot. And that's the transition I wanted to make was into behaviors, mm. position, and, and the requirement of a coach to be able to finesse the, the cueing and also how that athlete or the how your members mm. uh, receive that information. Because we were just talking about this before the podcast started was how thankful I was to to have worked in the fitness industry at, with general population clients off and on for so many years before really specializing in athletic performance. And I think a lot of new coaches come in and they're like, I just want to work with athletes. I won't work with general population. And that just wasn't an option for, for me. Like no. I, I don't know how many, like, because again, we didn't, we didn't have social well, media. You had to make money. <clears throat> I mean, right? like you can't not, Make money. You had to make money. So the route you took normal, like, especially when I started, right? This would have been back when I was 20. So how, what year was that? 15, 15 years ago? Yeah. For you, probably 15. 2003, four? Yeah. For me, it was four. Yeah. yeah. Three then. Wow. Okay. So it was a long time ago. And I remember coming in and, and, and if you wanted to work as a trainer, like you had first to be hired by a gym that most definitely didn't specialize in athletic performance. Mm -hmm. There were very few, if any, right? I think that the social media realm spawned a lot of the mm -hmm. athlete, you know, centers to become more popularized because you can market yourself a different way mm -hmm. through video and, and whatnot. But I worked for, shoot, probably three years before I really had any type of like consistent athletic population that I worked with. And even then it was like I'd have two or three athletes and like 10 general fitness clients mm -hmm. that are just like, I just want to look good in my t-shirt, yeah. which is cool because then what it teaches you is, is how to explain, demonstrate movement to someone who number one might not necessarily be as interested in learning movement as an athlete. And number two is might not be as intuitive of a mover as an athlete. Right. So when you're able to learn how to teach movement to somebody who one doesn't want to really care about it yeah. and you can get them interested in it, when you become a athletic performance coach, that becomes way easier uh, to do because you're so used to it. And I think yeah. that's what has set me apart when people are like, you're just, you just know, always know what to say, right? I always get that from like other coaches when they watch me coach. They're like, how do you just know like what words to say? Or I'll walk over and talk with an athlete yeah. and it, it's kind of not secretive. Like I walk over and yeah. we have some words, but I'll, I'll see the coaches stand around and watch me. They'll kind of inch closer. Like they just want to know the words that I'm saying. Well, and think like, 
every session you've done up to this point has been a rehearsal, mm-hmm. a dress rehearsal of, of like of, uh, of how to get athletes right now jumping higher. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen overnight. Like you can't just say one word. It's like if I say what you say, yeah. it won't come across nearly as good. No, be like, huh? the cue is part of it, yeah. right? The word is part of it, but it's how do you convey the word and what context is that word in? Mm-hmm. So it's like I get coaches that – I see this every now and then, and I love it. It's like let's say it's – um the truest form of flattery is um, as a, uh, imitation. Imitation is the yeah. truest form of flattery. So I'll I'll get tagged in videos like, hey, like check this guy out. Like he does stuff on on technique, and I'm like, that's oddly similar to the exact same thing I posted like three weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And what happens is somebody like sees a post with some cool context in there, and then they're like, now I'm coaching it to my athletes, and it's awesome. And and sometimes it works, and I, sometimes it doesn't work because you haven't put your reps in with that type of cueing yet or that type of understanding of movement. It's like if it was as easy as reading and then doing everybody would be a fucking master coach. Uh, Yeah, of course. You know, and, and and I think people always want to work with athletes, but like if you, if you think about like who you're going to work with as a population of athletes, if you do get lucky, lucky, if you do get to work with athletes, it's typically like high school, middle school, young athletes Mm -hmm. that don't know how to move to begin with. And so like, if you haven't had your reps in, (laughs) No pun, actually pun intended. If you haven't had your reps in learning how to or teach movement, then like how you expect to teach a 13-year-old how to hinge or how to squat or how to do a push-up if you haven't put the reps in with just anybody to get them to do that, right? And I think that's why like special like working with adult populations when it comes to just coaching and your ability to coach and sort of interact with and, and build relationships with people, that's what matters most when it comes to the art of coaching is learning how to get people to do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And not being a drill sergeant or like a boot camp instructor that just kind of yells in people's faces. That's not what we are we're about, and that's exactly. what we had to learn over the many years. Was like we don't tell people what to do; we just coach them into doing right. what we want them to do. It's like starting with the foundation and always moving forward. And it's like no matter if I get a brand new athlete or an elite level athlete in here, I always go through progression to make sh- make sure that that athlete moves to my standards. Mm-hmm. Right? It's uh, someone can come in here and be like, I've been working out for ten years, and I'm still gonna get. Show me how you squat. Show me yeah. how you hinge. Show me how you pull push show me how you turn move and sprint and all these jump show me how you do all these movements because if we can identify a hole in a pattern like a hinge it might expose holes in a pattern of a jump yeah right it might show me yeah. that you don't necessarily how to know how to utilize and initiate extension properly yeah. maybe you're off balance and not managing you know your center of mass appropriately there yeah. are all these like really cool little tests that we can do and i think that's that's the biggest thing is the coach that is like, I'm an athlete coach, right? And I make really complex programs and they give this complex program to somebody and it's not working, right? There's something mm-hmm. not going on and it's instead and instead of addressing the fact that these people just might not be initiating and moving basic patterns properly might be the real issue, the root of the issue, as opposed to I need to make the program even more hard. complex and hard. I, I've only trained like a handful of athletes because I've always wanted to train athletes and then I kind of <laughs> quickly got away from that because yeah. it it's wasn't what I everybody. wanted. No. It's not for everybody. Uh, but I remember getting some pro guys in, so some pro uh, hockey players in, mm-hmm. and we did bare bone basic movements because number one, they were injured, so we had to manage that. But at the same time, like they had a lot of dysfunction just from their season right. that if I start – adding barbell complexes and different ways of, of training from the get-go, then, like, they, they'd get injured during, the, during their season. So, like, it's you dumb it down to the basics, learning how to brace your abs, learning how to squat, like, hinge your patterns. And, like, that, that, that's what gets them performing better near the end of their training cycle than just 
yep. kind of hammering home these fancy stuff that you may Google and research and, and see somebody else do. Like it's, and there's and there's a time and a place for complexity, right? Yeah. Like complex, but complexity is earned, and that's the one thing that I think is the hardest thing to communicate to an athlete with with how much exposure they have to video through social media. Is they see all of these other facilities and coaches implementing methods that are cool and fun and, and impressive looking and their expectation is that when they grab any program that they're going to have their what they consider to be like their fate that's my favorite i saw a video of that i want to do it right i can't believe how many times i've had somebody purchase a program of mine and then i get an email saying um so i noticed that this is in it this is in it this isn't in it this isn't in it um it's only this many days i think i should do this many days and i want to do this movement and my response is normally like, it seems like you kind of have your own program in mind did you purchase my program looking for what you wanted or are you trying to do something that will benefit yeah. you that might be a different approach? I'm like, my programs are created in such a way that they address elements that many people overlook, right? This, they're put, it's, it, they are programmed in such a way that they're, they're largely supplementable. Like they, they're not overly volume heavy, they are great to use in season and off season. You can supplement them additionally, mm. but they're it's t it's difficult to put a cookie cutter generalized program up with all of the confidence to say it'll work for everybody. That's why I try to err on the side of listen. Here's a very good foundation mm. for a program that you can utilize independently in season to help keep you healthy, and it will hopefully progress your results. And it's also something that you can utilize in conjunction with something else that you're doing, right? And you find that pocket. It's not, again, like the be-all, end-all movements don't exist, right? The key to things don't exist. It's, I, it's really just trying to create and reinforce these behaviors. And a lot of them are just rooted in position. I, th I was just going to say, I think, I think the strength of your program is really based on the <coughs> fact that it gets people thinking and learning about their positions and where to be from, from like mm -hmm. whether it's from a warm up to a, a, a squat to a push up or whatever you have going on in that program, it's really putting them into like in the driver's seat of learning how their body moves because and how it feels and how it feels because like the moment you get in the driver's seat and, and you see how that car, I mean, it's like going to a dealership and, and looking at a car. Do you just look at it and drive in the passenger seat while the guy is, is driving it, or do you drive it yourself? It feels better when you drive because you get a feel for like how the engine revs and, and, and how the, the brakes feel. Same thing with your body. It's, mm -hmm. it's essentially like, how do you squat? Does it feel good? Does it not feel good? How to recognize why? Is your stance too wide, too close? Like, like there's things that, that you should be able to intuitively know. And if it feels smooth, you, you're bang on with where you need to be moving. If Even it feels, if it doesn't look, you know, exactly like the cookie cutter of what you've seen, right? Right, is knowing how your body responds to certain movement and stimulus. But if it feels smooth and it, you can groove that pattern, then likelihood is that that's the right fit for you. If it doesn't, if it feels creaky and it feels kind of achy and it doesn't feel smooth, yeah, then, then if, yeah, change. red flags are going up, then address it for sure. And that's exactly what I do with all my programs. And that's, it's cool that you were able to outline and point that out mm -hmm. for me is it's, they are designed and built around the premise of helping an athlete connect to the ebbs and flows of their body, right? And, that, and the natural rhythms. And that's the entirety of PPA jump technique methodology is mm -hmm. teaching people how to feel jumping, right? I, I, I think I've mentioned it a couple times. It's like people said, you need to create a certification and teach coaches how to do what you do. And for the longest time, I struggled with it because I was like, I don't know if I can because it's something that I feel, right? Yep. How do I communicate what I feel? Well, instead of communicating what I feel, teach people how to feel it 
Yeah. That's what it was. It was like I had that bit of like that, you know, cliche aha moment, which was Mm -hmm. like, if I can't communicate how I feel, teach people how to feel it themselves Mm -hmm. and then teach them how to teach athletes to feel it. So that's what it becomes. And, And these technique principles are rooted in the the kind of the um, the overarching umbrella which is that intuition right is is the feel behind things feel it first create the appropriate environment or the intent behind the mm-hmm. movement and then layer on the behaviors do you, do you get a lot of people asking you uh like where should my neck be uh, oh yeah where should my arm swing be yeah. i imagine you get a lot of those yeah. th- those questions right yeah absolutely and i mean those are fair questions because i think we're we're hardwired to see things and understand things um as absolutes right mm. this is this is the position here and i've had to come you know i've had to compromise because it can't be entirely on feel and 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 more so those you know Foo foo type sure. of hippie, like just feel it, man. Yeah. Just why don't you feel it, man? Uh, it's more so a little bit of both. It's provide scientific proof and evidence and, and concrete um, points of performance, but then also teach people what that means to feel and understand and create that environment, and then try to blend those two, and then reinforcing that when I get questions like, well, where should my hands be? Boom, here. And then saying, it's okay to say, you know, we want our hands to be about here, but what is more important than where your hands are visibly is that are your arms creating the appropriate impulse with the feet? I think the aha moment comes from people is when they learn the principles of like torso (coughs) angle and and where the center of mass is. Mm once you get that down mm-hmm. then the arms will go exactly where they need to be for your for, for your body position yep. but if you don't master the the position of like torso angle or where you should be with your center of mass then the arm swing doesn't matter what, what you're doing and the same thing happens even with like adults and mm-hmm. it's a good little sort of like comparison is that uh like if we're doing like a push-up or a bench press or or, or, or like a row movement for the back I always get the question, where should my elbows be? And it's not really about where your elbows go. It's about like how are you using your shoulder blade? And we're all going to have different nuances in like elbow position. So if you focus too much on like angle of your elbow, you're missing the boat. You're missing the point of what you want, which is can you articulate your shoulder blade in a good position? Yes yeah. or no. And if you can't, let, let's feel it. So like feel it with science mm-hmm. and then let your elbows or let your limbs go where they need to go, yeah. essentially. Yeah, within those parameters, right? And I yeah. think that you, you'll, you'll do a good job, as, as I would in that situation, by saying it's not about, okay, move your elbows in, move them out. You have to you have to give a context first. So for me, it's always, and you could, you know, be a, a you know, fly in the room in one of my sessions is what I say most frequently is how did that feel? Yeah. My athletes will look be like, fine, right? When they first come in, it's always like, fine. Well, no, no, no. Like, how did it feel? And I probe and probe and probe and probe to say, how does it feel? And it's a broken record. But at the same time, over time, they start to make those corrections on their own. One because question, they're like, well, this is, does not feel well. <laughs> one question I always ask instead of um, how did that feel? Because everyone's going to probably say good because sure. they don't want to worry about it. Sure. Um, I, I ask, uh, where did you feel that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, point on Put me. your hand on right, like, like where, point, you're where you felt that. that. And then, then that'll give me an idea of like what they're thinking when they're doing it. Right, so if they're doing like a, a bench press, but they feel it in like their bicep, I'm like, okay, well, focus on this, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's when you give that individual approach to to cueing, and people everybody think, learns different, right? Yeah, you know, and people think individual programming is like different movements and sets and reps. No, individual coaching is giving them the cue that they need to perform the movement with their physiology and their body. Right. 
in my opinion. No, I completely agree with that. I completely agree. And I love how many correlates there are between, you know, the world of jump technique and, and just general strength conditioning or general fitness for that matter. But I think the, the most important thing to remember here, so number one for coaches is getting your reps in as a coach with as many, much population as possible, not just limiting yourself, especially in your early stages to just working with athletes. Number one is from a financial standpoint, you're going to limit yourself big yeah. time because I'll be honest with you, the people that have money are not necessarily the athletes. <laughs> They're the adults that are looking to, uh, you know, lose a couple belt um, belt holes on their on their on their belt it's the ones that are you know trying to feel a little bit better after maybe having a child they're mm-hmm. trying to get back into shape there are those people that are the ones that are carrying around the kind of disposable income versus the athletes who for the most part like yes they're they're they can be more fun to work with if that's who you are as a coach but at the same time getting those reps in early is going to make that transition into athletic training that much smoother you're going to have a tool belt that is full of a lot more usable um, tool than it would be if you were just to go in and um, just train athletes out of the gate and you can still coach adults with athletic based training that's how i I coach that's how that's how i do it like i I don't do bodybuilding i do movement patterns and movement based um you know so like like you can still have some fun with your clients you probably just wouldn't give them modalities that they probably don't need if they have like bad backs and bad knees but yeah you'd be a little bit more careful plus you're always it's a balance right it's about giving giving people what they need but also giving them what they want like especially with uh, general population is mm-hmm. an athlete is a little bit more um a little bit more apt to kind of do whatever the fuck you tell them to do mm-hmm. Right. Especially when you set the basis for um, athletes like for me, it's, you know, I'm interviewing people before they're on board. I don't even accept someone into my local athlete population unless they convince me that it's right for them. And recently had someone that was interested and I I called them, spoke to them. Um, Yep. hundred percent. I'm down. We booked an appointment for them to show up and, and do their assessment. And not only were they a no-show, but there was no message, nothing. So I immediately just responded to that, to that athlete with, we have no more spots available. Mm-hmm. It's, a, that just, it's too much of a snapshot into what's to come. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I only want people in that want. There are plenty of other gyms in the city mm-hmm. with people that will take that person on and allow them to become another, you know, another number coming in and out of the gym. It's not how I roll. I think like it's a, not how I roll. An important um, tool for coaches that that are, are getting into coaching is asking them or asking like and I always ask them like like are, are these expectations like good for you like 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 does our model work with what you're looking for right yes or no because if it's a no then like doesn't matter how great we are you just won't resonate with us so you're always asking that question like like this is what we offer this is what we do this is how we can help you does that make sense in your world like is that something that you would want to see yourself doing right if it's a no then like yeah it's a no it's definitely a no you know i know (laughs) no no so some benefits of taking pride in position and, and the way you move Okay, so in the gym, what are some of, like, if you had to pick three um, kind of glaring benefits to really paying attention to the way your body moves, like, what pops into your head? And again, if you can't think of three out of the gate, cool, but if you can, let's let's kind of go down the path of where your head is um, when it comes yeah, to so benefit. The, like, 
the benefit of, of taking pride, and I love that you said like taking pride in how you move because we're human and, and we should be able to move. And like we sit all day, like if you're a student and you're a student athlete, like you're sitting at a desk all day, probably studying, probably not. You're probably playing video games uh, like I was, uh, you know, but like if you're if you're sedentary and you're like you're working in an office, like you're just sitting and it, it gets kind of like drowsy and kind of boring. And so taking pride in how you move really kind of puts you back in the driver's seat of, of taking ownership of of, of of how you feel, um, so so by taking pride in, in, how, in how you move, you're you're now getting yourself learning about who you are from a movement human that that moves well. Essentially. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Movement human uh, standpoint. Uh, yeah, yeah, got you. And um, I lost my train of thought. Um, you're taking pride in yourself the way you move, and that teaches you a little bit more about who you are as a yeah. human. Because then, like, when you have aches and pains, and when you have like joint issues, and, and you have like creaky knees, like we're all gonna have creaky knees and, and painful knees. Now you'll know how to adjust yourself in training from day to day or week to week to make sure that you don't get those aches and pains. And the more you sort of um, uncover, oh, like like when I had my foot this way, my knee was hurting. Cool. If I move it this way, it doesn't hurt. Cool. So I'm gonna keep that in my arsenal. Yeah. Um, if I'm doing a push up and my shoulder hurts. Then like I'm gonna move my shoulder in this way. Oh, it doesn't hurt. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in 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 my mind to make sure that next time I do it, I'm gonna use that same form. And the more you do that, and the more you practice, um, your your positions will get fine tuned to the point where there's no need to think anymore, and you th- it becomes effortless. And so many people tell me like, Mike, you move so effortless. It looks so easy for you. Yeah, because I, I put in so many reps in moving so well that now it becomes so effortless to the point where my body just automatically knows where to go. And I think the moment you understand what that looks and, and feels like and if you're a jumping athlete then you'll be able to get in positions that you talk about a lot um a little more efficiently yep and i think that's you know the word we use for that is is intuition right which yeah. is jump intuition for you which is just movement intuition it's your body kind of has those automatic um fail safes to know that okay I, if i have to squat and i'm in this position i got to adjust really quick and this is how my, how that pattern grooves for me and the same thing with the jump or the way in which you play a sport is that we are there, we do have kind of these natural rhythms that our body will reveal to us. But the, the bottom line becomes is, are you paying attention when they're revealed, right? Are you paying attention to the jump that you, that you perform that is outstanding and why? Why was that outstanding? So uh, I just thought of this and it kind of brought, brought this to my head. Um, you could have two athletes walk into the door and automatically know – within a good degree of certainty, who's going to jump the highest. Mm-hmm. You'll have one athlete that walks in kind of dopey and sort of just kind of has this dumbfounded look on, on their face. Mm-hmm. And, and they're always injured. They always have bad positions. They're always sort of not really thinking of how they're walking. They're kind of like, you know, sort of big and, and gumby-like. A little less connected. And then you have the athlete that walks in and like is, is in good positions. And like you, know, you can tell just by the way he moves, he, he, he takes pride in how he moves. And he'll, he'll always jump higher than the athlete that walks in that's kind of like doesn't really care about how he moves. And same thing goes with the adult population. You can tell those that come in that don't have the awareness of, of how they're moving because their posture's off, their, their demeanor's off, their whole mood's off. And then because that's all off, then you can tell that, that they – sort of just dump themselves into poor positions and then when it comes time to <coughs> training that that individual they tend to not have the awareness because they haven't had it all day so by the time they come into the gym they're already sort of like not into it yeah. as much as the person that, that kind of thinks about it day to day what would you tell somebody that um had the notion that you you either move well or you don't right it's a natural thing 
Like, what do you tell someone that comes in and goes, I, I just naturally don't squat very well. I just naturally don't hinge very well or pull very well. I just naturally like walk like this. Like, what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you think that we are, it's natural and we really have no ability to change that? Or do you think that it's pliable and a little bit more plastic? Well, it's plastic to a certain degree. I mean, you'll have some people that um, are kyphotic, which which means rounded upper back, and it's, it's, it comes to a point where like you probably can't fix that unless it's like years of ART and manipulation through like you know whatever yeah. it is. Um, but for the most part, like if I look at myself when I had my ACL surgery, it took me a year and a half for recovery, and by the time I was done with my, my ACL recovery. And I went through a little bit of a hiccup with my recovery, but like I couldn't squat, like I couldn't even squat to parallel without like just everything dumping. And it took me a year to relearn my squat pattern. And now it's like mm-hmm. pristine clean for the most part, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so for myself, like, like I saw myself not move well in, in just having that knee injury. Cause then having that knee injury messed up my left ankle and then my left hip was off. My, my lower back was off just from that one knee surgery that it kind of had a cascade effect that my movement was just poor. So it took me a lot of time and effort to repurpose my, my patterns and, and learn, okay, like if my knee is, is going to track this way, like what do I need to do in terms of mobilizing and strengthening and, and stability work? Mm. It just, it took like a year just to get myself to squat, yeah. let alone deadlift and, and all that stuff and lunge for, for that matter. Right. So, um, you can always be better with your positions. You just have to be aware of it. You have to want it. You, you're you're going to have to, um, sort of live it and breathe it, you yeah. know, like, yeah, got to become a little bit more of a part of who you are. And I talk about that a lot with jumping is the the best leapers in the world are the ones that, like, number one, they're obsessed, right? They're obsessed mm. with the concept of being able to jump higher. Just like in the gym, people that are the fittest are the ones that are obsessed with becoming fit. Mm. So it's like anything else in, the, in in life. If you want it that badly, then you'll be willing to make the sacrifices and make it enough of a priority for you to get better at it, right? There's a lot of people that d- that wish and don't do, right? Mm-hmm. I hate that. Or it's mm-hmm. like, I wish I was better at this. Well, it's like, I wish I had fucking $10 billion. But the bottom line is like, yeah. <laughs> unless I unless I go out and try to actively get it, there's no, there's no sense wishing for yeah. it. It's just a practical approach to things. But what I what I find is, the the more I talk about it, the more I say, listen, there's there is a purpose and premise behind the quest to become a more intuitive mover, right? It becomes a little bit more ingrained. I think is because it wasn't talked about, and because it's I think at times it's just not as fun to, or not as immediately rewarding, perhaps because it's not it, people don't know how to communicate that. So that's mm-hmm. where I come in the picture and say, listen, like my job's gonna be like there are tons of coaches and trainers out there that will teach you how to get stronger they'll teach you all about the complexities of jump training down to the, pr- the program and the science right those people are incredibly smart and needed and required but i think what's also required is the person to voice the kind of the 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 whites the white noise right that's mm-hmm. the, sp- the spots in between that don't get talked about very often where it's like it's okay to take pride in the way you move. Now, there's a time and a place to like turn the intensity up, right, and not be fixated on. Well, perfect and, that, and, form. and that's the thing, right? So, so if you look at the industry as a whole, whether it's adult fitness or um, or, or athletic development, is everyone talks about athlete development should be explosive and quick and fast, and yeah, like that, like that is needed. But if you're getting a 13-year-old kid who has never moved before do explosive movement, they probably don't have the stability requirements to, to handle that type of movement so they would probably need a foundational to learn and practice positions to then when they do the explosive movements they they, they can actually land with good mechanics they can 
they can do a squat or a lunge without their knee buckling. Right. And so you have these coaches that see other coaches online do these cool little fancy complexes, whether it's um, contrast training with some jump mm-hmm. training in there. Mm-hmm. And then they have their athletes who have never jumped in their life or, or at least like don't know how to move well, getting them to do that kind of stuff that they saw on, on, on Instagram or mm-hmm. YouTube. And they have just poor mechanics because they haven't built that foundation that that athlete potentially yeah. has done. And so there's a lot of copycatting and not understanding why they're doing that at that point in time with that athlete. And you can only focus on like what you have in front of you. And so if the person in front of you cannot handle that type of load or right. explosiveness, then do not do it because it's not going to help them at all. If anything, it might make it worse. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's not about you, right? <clears throat> it's about the athlete. It's mm-hmm. about the person you're working with. So just because you found something that you think is fun and you want to try, you can't just slap it on an athlete or on a general population and do it because you want to see how it looks. It's like, again, it needs context. I think that's kind of the moral of everything is that there has to be context to when certain movements are prescribed. Are they appropriate for the population you're using? And have they been progressed in such a way that it can be sustained um, and performed properly? Yeah. I also think that um, thinking how to move and and putting in some like practice in in honing your skill of movement requires a lot of mental energy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't like doing that because number one, it's freaking hard. It's like it's Mm -hmm. it's like a mental workout, literally. Um, And then it also exposes a lot of their weaknesses and people don't like being exposed on their vulnerabilities. So they shy away from that. And I I see that from from the adult population more so than probably athletes. But people tend to not want to do the things they suck at, including ourselves, including myself. Um, And they always want to do things that they're good at. And usually things that they're good at is like high intensity, burpees, like just stuff that like kind of looks work. Right. You know, but people don't want to take the time to learn how they're like how their hinge looks and they don't care about like what their back issues like because it's a weakness of theirs and they don't like that. It's a weakness and they get sort of, it's difficult. Yeah. So I think that plays a big role in the the psyche of, of coaching. And so as a good coach, you should know how to number one, get to know your, your population, get to understand like, like what they need from a coach and, and build that relationship that they can trust you. That way you can get them to do what you want them to do, you know? Yep. Foundations have to be created. And that's a great point that you make is that it really is about exposing your weakness, but more importantly is embracing them as an athlete. Specifically, the, the more we kind of paint over the problem and we speed through those. That's why there's a saying I use with all my, my jumping athletes is embrace the wiggles. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of movements where it's like balance oriented, proprioceptive in nature and athletes will like hop and wiggle and then they get so frustrated, right? They're just, they don't accept the fact that their body has these Mm -hmm. kind of these, um, you know, neuromuscular disconnects Mm -hmm. that are just not built. The pathways aren't very strong at this point. So it's, Embrace the wiggles, right? Let the let the the um, instabilities, let the those perturbations, let all those little things happening be inspire you to do this more, not deter you from doing it again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's got it's you have to actively search for the areas of your performance that are lacking in order to progress forward. Bottom line. And, and, and it happens quite rapidly. Like the moment you start to think about your movements and you start to work on the things that you suck at, within a matter of like a couple of weeks, you're good. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't take that long for you to, you know, like to, to, to learn how to move. It, it happens quite quickly. Yeah. Just the effort involved requires some, some thinking. Yeah. You're uh, one of the biggest or one of the most powerful sayings, you know, I'm, I'm big on sayings. I think they get you thinking about other things, mm-hmm. but it's like your desire to succeed must outweigh your fear of failure. Yeah. 
that was so powerful to me, which is like, if it's that important to you, then it will be okay with you if you're not good at it at a certain time mm -hmm. and you embrace those moments. You know, the, a lot of people come and ask me about like public speaking, right? Mm -hmm. Because they go, dude, like you, you're good at speaking in front of people. Like, how did you do that? And I said, I was just not afraid of speaking in front of people because I wanted to be good at it. I liked the notion of, of being able to, you know, control the thought process mm -hmm. of a, a collective group of people, not control in like a, in a toxic state, sure, yeah. but more so just like influence and, and interact. I mm -hmm. loved it so much that I was willing to take those opportunities to stand up in front of people and at times, you know, make a fool of myself and try yeah. things out. You have to actively seek out those opportunities to get better or you just won't get better. It's one of the best things that have helped me become a better coach was number one, go on podcasts and do a podcast with you the, the, with the full depth. Like that was enough for me to like, be comfortable speaking and voicing my opinions and voicing like like just who I am and, and my truth when I'm communicating because mm -hmm. then you tend to find like who like what your voice is and the moment you find what your voice is right. then it makes everything else so much effortless when you're trying to coach athletes and adults right trying not to be something you think others want mm -hmm. you to be you're just being yourself Come full circle. Today was kind of a mishmash of, of talking about obviously the power of position as related to the gym and, and jumping and, and just collectively, I think as human beings, just understanding that position is something that is very, um, it's, it's within our control. And I think when things position are within our control, power. position is power is when things are within our control, we should have the opportunity and take the opportunity more importantly to, um, to demonstrate our, 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 our kind of literacy with those mm -hmm. things itself. So I want to thank, um, all of you that were listening today. Um, appreciate your support as always. If you haven't make sure you subscribe to the podcast, you can up like this thing. I think there's like a five star thing. Give it a five star. It helps push the podcast in the right direction. Of course, um, share it with anybody that you feel is beneficial. And if you believe that you would be a good guest for the penultimate podcast, email me at projectpureathlete@gmail.com. I want to thank uh, my guest, my good buddy, Mike, for being on here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, where can people find you on social? Media. Yeah, they can find me uh, on Instagram at Team Sweat Life. Um, I, co I post a lot of content on Actually, just recently I started posting some tutorial videos on like deadlifting, squatting, swinging. I'm going to put a bunch of other stuff on there for people to check out and sort of learn from because that's my goal in life is to teach people how to move well. And so awesome. we can reach more people. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And take my word for it. You're going to want to go over there and give him a follow. Uh, his demonstrations are, are very simplistic, but they're very straightforward and they will help you move better in the gym, which ultimately translates itself better onto the field, court of play, wherever sport you are involved with. My name is Tyler Ray. I am the owner, the CEO, the head coach, everything over here at Project Pure Athlete and a host of a podcast, apparently. Um, appreciate you being here. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Take care. The penultimate podcast is powered by Project Pure Athlete. Visit projectpureathlete.com and check out the complete line of PPA training and technique products. All products are created by the Jump Guy and have been used and endorsed by coaches and athletes worldwide. Jump higher, train smarter. Holla, bitch, sit down. Holla, bitch. Holla, bitch.